welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Bruce Lipton, a stem cell biologist and the best-selling author of The Biology of Belief, Spontaneous Evolution, and The Honeymoon Effect. Welcome. Hi, Bruce. Glad to have you back. Um, Bruce Lipton, as you know, is a world-famous um, cell biologist who has written these books, Biology of Belief and The Honeymoon Effect. And my wife and I read The Honeymoon Effect years ago, which was actually great. Helped us out a lot. <laughs> and then Bruce and his wife were very inspiring to us. So it was really great. And Bruce doesn't live that far from me down in um, Santa Cruz, about an hour and a half from Oakland. But anyway, Bruce, welcome back to the show. And I'm excited to hit this next topic which is about really the cell biology and the quantum physics aspect of what you do. So welcome. Thank you for inviting me back again. And I, I'm so appreciative to have an audience that's receptive to, let's get some new information about how life works because knowledge is power. And it's interesting. Another way of saying that same meaning is a lack of knowledge is a lack of power. And we have been systematically deprived of knowledge that scientists at the leading edge understand moment by moment. The public is really pretty naive about. And I say, and, and the significance of that is that it's costing them. The lack of, uh, that lack of knowledge is, is creating a, a problem in their own personal world, their health world, the community in which we live, et cetera. So, uh, thanks for this opportunity to say, let's, let's put some new knowledge out there that can empower everyone. Well, no, this is exciting. And the, the part that I'm excited about, about the last two and a half, three years of my practice, we found out we could implement all sorts of different treatments that were quite effective. But when we found out that the family dynamics could sabotage the entire thing, and we also eventually discovered, which is now obvious, that the deeper your connections in life, the deeper the effect and that the negative family dynamics could wipe out everything. Conversely, once we created some structure around the family conversations and dynamics around chronic pain, it was equally as powerful as pulling people out of the pain. What I'd like to dive into as far as the introduction to that whole process is how we are energy fields and how your energy affects my energy and vice versa. And that comes right into close relationships for sure, even less close relationships. But I'd like to just discuss the idea about the quantum mechanics, how cells influence each other, how people influence each other. And it's a physics process, and again, not primarily a psychological problem. It's, this is real quantum physics behind it. Well, this, this is the cool part because it's not a suggestion. This is an actual reality as far as any science could ever give us reality. Quantum physics is the most valid perception of reality. And you go, so what? I go, the difference is that most of us out here in the world develop and program with the concept of a Newtonian universe. I say difference is Newtonian universe has got a, a universe separated into two realms, matter and energy. And, and essentially have said that the two really don't interact with each other. So whatever is made out of matter should be affected by matter and whatever is energy will affect energy. Uh, uh, and the body being considered a piece of matter uh, says, well, if you want to fix the body, then you fix it with matter. That's called pharmaceutical drugs. <laughs> you know, that's a, oh, it's a body. It needs some chemistry. And it's like, that's our Newtonian belief. In 1925, quantum physics pulled the rug out completely from this belief by recognizing a very important fact, and that is this. Our perception of matter based on the atom uh, is a misperception. 
for the fact is, oh, when we look at an atom in our consciousness, the way we see it in the books and everything, it's a little solar system with a nucleus and electrons flying all around. It's like a, you know, a bunch of little particles and things. Well, it turns out what happened by 1925 is they looked and said, well, what are those particles made out of those, you know, the protons, the neutrons, electrons, what are they made out of? And that's when the universe changed because they found it wasn't made out of anything physical at all. It was made out of vortices of energy, like miniature nano tornadoes, force fields, okay? Nano tornadoes. I go, why is it relevant? Because it wasn't physical in the first place. It was all energy. And so, uh, yeah, you can see what you perceive to be a proton. You haven't seen them, but that's our consciousness. It's like, yeah, but it's an energy field. <laughs> and an electron is an energy field. And an atom is an energy field. And all of a sudden I say, but energy by definition is invisible. Can't see it. Uh, and and it's kind of, what's the shape of energy? Well, we know that if you drop a rock into a pond, the ripples that come off of that is the energy coming from the rock shaping the water, the energy field shaping the water and the ripples. So our vision is energy is invisible waves. And I go, well, then first problem is this. So if atoms are made out of uh, invisible energy waves, how can I see you? How can you see me? How can you see the world around you? Because it perceives to be physical. Uh, and it's going to sound like a joke for a moment, but it, it sounds like a joke. And I go, the, the reason you can see things is because the lights are on. And then it's like, what does that mean? And I go, light photons emanate from the source of a light, like little particles of light shooting down. I say, so what? But when they hit an energy field, the photon of light is reflected back. So wherever there's energy fields, the photons will shine on the surface. You'll see a, a surface to the energy field because that's where the photons are hitting and bouncing back. I go, yeah, but underneath that layer of photons, guess what? There's nothing physical. That's the human body. It's an energy thing underneath. So you can see it when the lights are on. But that's a, a, an illusion of light. That's what it is. Uh, and then you say, yeah, but I can feel it. And I go, listen, a tornado is an invisible force field. <laughs> uh, it, it cannot just push on you. It can lift up your house and throw it away. There's a lot of force there. You try and push on a tornado, it'll push back. Right. I go, well, it's irrelevant. I can feel a tornado, but there's nothing there in a sense of physical. It's a force field. So, right. okay. What we have to recognize is this, the visual images of the world in which we live are photons reflected off of energy force fields. A body, the, the, here, here's the point, what's the new scan technology in, in medicine? Well, let's say a CAT scan. I go, and what does a CAT scan see? I say, it doesn't see photons of light, it sees energy. I go, why, why, why is that important? I said, with a CAT scan, I could look through your body and I could see all the structures. Right. I see the structures stand down. I say, yeah, but this doesn't read light. All it reads is energy. So basically, this is what does it say? Whatever image you saw in that CAT scan are energy fields. They're not physical. They're energy fields. Right. So now we have to recognize, oh, my God. And I say, well, what else is different between a matter universe and an energy universe? And I go, in a matter universe, we, we see matter as objects with edges. You push one against the other, and, uh, and they, they don't mix. And it's like they're separate objects. That's what we see. Right. I go, but in the world of quantum physics, that separation isn't real at all. Uh, consider this. Uh, remember the waves uh, come from a, like a rock hitting the water, the ripples that come are the energy waves. And I say, if you're looking at a pond and it's raining out, you're going to see millions of, of ripples. And I go, what's important about them? I say, 
they don't stop when one ripple hits another stop. They, they are entangled. The ripples of all of the raindrops on the pond are all entangled. You can't separate them because the energy doesn't have edges to it. I say, so why is that important? I say, so where's the edge of an atom? I say, there is no edge to an atom. It's a field. <laughs> and I say, so where's the edge of that human? I go, well, there's not really an edge to that human. An energy is a field. <laughs> you can photograph it. Curlian photography is one of the ways of looking at the energy fields surrounding our life. I say, so why is this relevant? Because nothing is outside of the universe, meaning everything is energy. And everything right. is entangled. And right. the entanglements are some that are closer to you with more power, and there are some things that are far away that you might be entangled with. You don't even feel them or sense them because they're so, they're, they're so limited in their power, but they're still affecting you. Uh, so I'll give you an example. Uh, our conventional understanding is a patient goes to the doctor, gets a diagnosis. The doctor looks at the patient, takes all the physical recordings, takes the pictures, takes the scans, and then tries to assess what's going wrong with that body by just looking at the person in front of them. Right. And I go, that, that, that's very interesting, except for the fact that that person is not localized just there. That person is everywhere. And you go, what do you mean? And I said, well, as we talked earlier, um, a study by Cleve Baxter, the guy who developed uh, the uh, uh, lie detector, the galvanometer test system, uh, he was using it to study cell activity. Uh, and here's a most important piece of his research, is he would take cells from a person, put them in a Petri dish, move them 100 miles away from that person, put the electrical device on to read the activity of the cells, uh, and then the experiment, he had a split screen. On one half of the screen was the electrical readout of cells 100 miles away, and the other half was an image of the person who donated the cells. And what they showed is when that person had an emotional response, that their cells 100 miles away instantaneously had a lot of electrical activity. You go, what the heck does that mean? I said, even though the cells are 100 miles away, they're still connected to that person. By what? Right. A field. Right. A field. Right. And, and I say, so we're all energy fields. Uh, and then here comes an interesting fact. Let's, let's put another quantum physics in here from Albert Einstein, who, like to me, is like the amazing Albert Einstein. Um, the quote that I would use very simply is this, is the field is the sole governing agency of the particle. That sounds a little complicated. The field is governing the particle. Well, I say, well, particle represents matter. I say, what is field? energy fields, the invisible energy fields. And wherever you are right now, guess what? You're sitting in a whole bunch of invisible energy fields, radio waves, cell phone waves, television broadcasts, solar energy fields. You're immersed in an aquarium of energy, okay? So I said, but why is this relevant? It's the energy that gives shape to the matter. That is quantum physics bottom line. And I go, so where's this come from? I said, well, consciousness is an energy field. And it's shown, for example, just by the fact that the person can have a response here and 100 miles away, their consciousness is influencing the cells, which means consciousness is not localized in the body. It's an energy field. Then I say, what? And I say, oh, my God, the field shaped matter. And I say, yeah, but you live in fields. And I say, well, then there are fields that totally influence you. They're more in alignment with your energy field or influencing your energy field than other energy things. So I say, like what? Give you a example. I say, well, when there's several people in a family, each individual's energy fields is entangled. That's the physics word, entangled with the other ones. That's where the ripples on the pond start to come together. I see. Okay, but they influence each other. Okay. And so 
the field is giving shape to the matter. Then okay. all of a sudden it says the invisible stuff around you, including your consciousness, is manifesting your reality experience. And you are connected to so many things that are not you, family, uh, your environment. Uh, all right. of this is, you are an integral part of a, a fabric. Well, this is unbelievable to me because, I mean, my nurse and I, the last three years of practice, found out that the family dynamics were maybe the one biggest factor that could kept people in pain and also could pull people out of pain. And what you're explaining right now is really key to my understanding of that much clearer now since you just said this, but families trigger each other. People in chronic pain, they're trapped, they're angry, they're frustrated, they lose their perspective, but the families become their targets. The people that they are connected to the most, the people that they love the most become their targets. So when they walk, so I say, look, if you are angry, had a bad day with workers' comp or your employer or your pain, and you walk in the door angry, it just changes the entire household. And it's not psychological. I call it mirror neurons, but a better term might be energy field. But that energy, once it comes in the front door, actually pervades the house. Am I correct on that? 100%. Uh, and, and there are things that actually hold some of that energy. Crystalline structures hold a lot of that energy. Uh, and it's also, this is a very important part. When we live in an environment, we balance our energy. In other words, I have a blank apartment. I walk in. Well, I'm going to put some pictures on the wall. I'm going to put some furniture over here. I'm going to do all that. And it's like, it's not an accident what you picked out right. uh, and what you put in different places. You are unconsciously balancing an energy field. Uh, and it's really important to recognize that. So you leave the room, but the energy you put in that room is, right. is still there. Right. And uh, to give an example of that, I tell people, look, most people in a, like a living room set have two identical chairs and a couch. And I go, okay. And I say, and you like to sit in one identical chair. And I bet you, guess what? You don't sit in the other one. You pick the one that you like and the other one you don't sit in. And right. I go, what, what's the difference? They're both the exact same chairs. And the answer is the energy field on the chair you choose is the energy that's most harmonic to you. So when you sit in your easy chair, the energy around you, it's feng shui. <laughs> Everything is, is energy, and the Asians do this, uh, that you make a crystal of this energy. And guess what? That will conform you. You walk out and, you, and your energy changes a bit, but you come back home and sit in that crystal, it will come right back again. And then I say, you know what's interesting? When people make a radical change in their life, guess what they do? Rearrange the furniture, move, buy new things, and everything. Why? Because the energy of their existing structure no longer fits the new energy they, they want to experience. Oh, interesting. And so they, they, they change the energy of the environment. So an environment is a crystalline structure that we create to balance who we are. And if we're not in a good place, then the things you put in that room are not going to help you get better either. They're going to keep you wherever that energy is. Well, let me summarize a couple of things and see if you agree with me or not. So the bottom line is, is that if you want to heal, so first of all, first of all, people often become addicted to their pain. It's powerful. They help, they feel safe with their pain. They don't want to give it up. Second of all, when they're in pain, they're angry and frustrated they actually don't see the effect that they have on other people. So the first step is to become aware that you're angry. You have to become aware of the energy that creates, the effect it has on those that are around you. And unfortunately, when you're angry, you lose awareness and you may not necessarily see the effect of that energy. So that's where we divide a whole 
bunch of really arbitrary rules around anger because it's not rational. It's around this energy field that you just talked about. But the idea is you create a structure of a safe house that under no circumstances do you argue or fight within the house. Now, of course, that's easier said than done. And I think you, in your book called The Honeymoon Effect, which was very inspiring to both Babs and I, that you really just try to be nice. And I have a little saying called no action in a reaction, which I'm getting better at. It's a work in progress. But we end up triggering and not being very nice to the people we love the most and connected to the most. But this is particularly true in chronic pain. But I want to jump to one other topic is that, okay, you're, you're immersed in pain, you're angry, you're frustrated, you've lost your perspective. And jumping clear to the end of the story, I think that the ultimate answer to chronic pain and healing is being open to the universe, allowing yourself connected energy fields that are, I don't like the word positive necessarily, but empowering, powerful, whatever it is, I'd like to hear you say it in your words, but opening up to the universe is a big deal. Now you can define it a multitude of different ways, but when you're stuck surviving chronic pain, you're in these obsessive circuit patterns that you can't really break into, that it takes steps and it takes tools to get there. But to me, the quantum physics things fits really well into this idea of being open to the universe. Well, this is absolutely the, the truth. The, the idea is your life is a complement of your connection to the universe. If it's not in harmony, you're not connected in harmony. That's what it's basically saying. That the visions that we hold in our head are translated into chemistry. We talked about that in our last episode. Right. About how a consciousness is tr translated into biology. So I say I'm living in, in pain. And it's very interesting. Um, I, I'd like to throw this in because I think a lot might have to do with this as well, is that uh, when we were kids, uh, humans seek love. That's an unconscious drive built into all living things, harmony and community. And right. human at that level is personal community like that. We're driven to go there, okay? And when people don't find it because of negative programming that actually pushes away love, like if you were programmed by your father, your mother, and they, they were living in a very bad relationship, guess what? Unconsciously, you are playing that same program as well. Right. It's unconscious, okay? Right. Uh, so that, uh, I, said, I just wanted to bring it up because um, one of the biggest issues when we test for beliefs uh, in a, I do workshops occasionally with uh, belief modification processes. We give a, a test to the audience who's involved, first test. The test is, I love myself. I want to tell you, 80, 85% minimum of the audience will not test positive for the subconscious that I love myself. That's right away. It's like, it's a massive number. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the fact that when we were being programmed in the first seven years, learning how to manifest life, uh, that uh, parents were very critical. Right. That's good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not lovable. You don't deserve this, blah, blah, blah. And I go, they go on like that. And I go, so what? And I say, well, what's the programming? I do not deserve. I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy. And I go, why is that relevant? Well, that's a program that from the subconscious that plays 95% of the time. Right. Now, what does that mean? It says, God, I'm not, I'm not being loved. Then I say, so the system wants to get love. And in this world, when did that child ever get love like that? And the answer is when they were sick. Right. When they were sick, 
then parents doted on them. Parents gave them the extra love, the reassurances that everything is okay and all that. So there's an unconscious effort of, of uh, a lot of the illness and a lot of the pain is to get some love. But unfortunately, not recognizing that that behavior uh, uh, compromises love. Love, love is a wholeness and a community. Uh, pain and fear is a closing down <laughs> that you can't get love with that. It doesn't work, you know. So uh, there's a problem. But the point about it is simply this: is that our vision of the world is translated into our biology. If right. we're not living in harmony, it's because our vision of the world is not in harmony. I say, so what do I got to change the world? I say, no, you don't change the world. You just change your vision of the world. Right. And all of a sudden, well, that sounds easy. And I go, well, there's a problem. <laughs> and the problem is this, is because we inevitably can't help it that our thinking processes, even thinking of changing your life, takes your consciousness from watching and controlling your life into thinking. And as we've talked about, when consciousness is interior focused thinking, right. okay. then life is controlled by the programs, okay? So even thinking of trying to get better uh, is actually not helping you get better because while you're thinking, the, other, the alternate program that is making you sick is operating 95% of the time. Right. So I said, well, you, we have to change the way that we have to you know, move into the future. We have to change the thinking process. We have to change the program. Number one, let me just help with the idea about what the heck are the programs because most of the programming occurred from be just before birth through age seven. So ask anybody, so what did you learn at zero? Okay, what'd you learn at one? What'd you learn at two? And it's like, you have no conscious awareness. It was downloading uh, in a state called theta hypnosis. And you say, well, okay, I got a problem. Yeah, I've been problem. I have no idea what the hell the program was because I wasn't there. Right. And so then the, the beautiful resolution of that problem, David, is simply this, is that 95% uh, of our life is coming from the program. That's established by neuroscientists, okay? Right. Sub our subconscious uh, mind, 95%. Right. I say, why is it relevant? I say, well, your program is manifesting. Look at your life. It is an expression of the program. I go, what does that mean? I say, the things you like and love that actually come into your life, they come in because you have a program to acknowledge it. But then it goes the other way, and this is the most important one. The things that you want and desire, but you struggle to get, you work hard, you put effort into it, you sweat over it, I'm making this happen, I'm working real hard. I go, why are you working so hard? The answer inevitably is, because your program doesn't support that. And you're trying to use the conscious mind to override that by working hard. I right. go, that's not going to override, that's not going to change the subconscious because that's not how it learns. Right. So the simple reality is we have to learn a, what the program is. Well, you can see that that's the character of your life. If it's a health issue, a relationship issue, uh, uh, you know, a job issue, whatever issue you're facing, you want to change it. And I go, well, how are you going to change it? And I go, the first thing is this, we have to exercise a new vision. Okay. And I didn't just say have a new vision. I said exercise a new vision. I go, right. what do you mean exercise? I say, the subconscious mind learns in three principal ways. The first two are natural, and that's how we learn. Way number one, first seven years, the subconscious mind was in a state of theta, hypnosis. All it did was just download whatever it saw. So that's how the subconscious got programmed day one. Right. After age seven, uh, hypnosis is not the state of the mind, but you still learn things. You learn how to drive a car and you were older than seven. How the heck did you do that? And the answer was after age seven, repetition 
practice, habituation, is what puts new programs in. Okay. I, and I go, because it's a habit mind, number one, I say, understand this, habit minds are habit minds because they don't want to change. If yeah. a habit mind changes, then it's not a habit anymore. Right. So habit minds resist change, and that's why you want to change the habit mind, you have to very specifically do things to engage that mind, to right. change. Reading a self-help book, nope, that engages the conscious mind. Uh, watching a lecture, a video, whatever, hearing a tape, whatever, I don't care. Uh, that affects conscious mind. That's live time. Yep, I, I, I read the book. I can tell you all about it. I got a lot of knowledge. I go, yeah, but remember, conscious mind only works 5% of the time. So I don't, our conscious minds are generally overeducated. Okay. They're not expressing. They're not okay. expressing. Okay. And that's because 95 is coming from the program. Now I say, well, if I see what the program is and I want to change the program, then how do I do it? And I say, A, hypnosis. B, practice repetition. Okay. I go, okay. Uh, hypnosis. Do I need to see a hypnotherapist? No. Nope. Here's the fun part. Uh, <clears throat> the vibrations of the brain ramp up. When you're sleeping, it's the lowest vibration. As just before you wake, it ramps up into theta. That's uh, twilight reverie kind of thing. You're just not really there. Uh, then the next rising is alpha, which is calm consciousness. And by the time you go to work, you're in beta, higher consciousness, okay? okay. You come home, it reverses. You come home, you were in beta, you relax. It goes down to calm alpha. And just as you go to sleep, guess what? When alpha disconnects, the next lower tier of vibration is theta. That's hypnosis. So okay. I say, oh, cool. Put earphones on your head at night with a program that you want to be true and okay. put it on at night. And what's the point? The moment you fall asleep, conscious not hearing the program anymore, whatever's playing through those earphones at that moment is going straight into the subconscious. So that's called self-hypnosis. So you do this for a number of nights. Uh, and you don't even, even hear the tape. You're sleeping. Right. And, and it's downloading new program via uh, theta subconscious. That's how it works. Okay. So that's number one. Number two, I say, yeah, but after age six, it's not theta, it's repetition. I go, what does that mean? Well, that brings to light a, a, a quirky new age-ism, <laughs> which is called fake it till you make it. And he goes, what does that mean? I go, I'm an unhappy person. Every day is like, oh my God, I, my life, I hate it, blah, life sucks, blah, 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 blah. I say, what you need to do during that day is as many times as you can remember, as many times you can remember, you say to yourself, I am happy. I am happy. And you're looking at yourself, well, yeah, but it's really, obviously I'm not because look at this crap world I'm in. I get, I don't care. Just keep repeating. Right. I am happy. I am happy because it's habituation that will change the program. Right. I say, so what? If I repeat, I am happy, I am healthy, I am healed, I am fixed, I, you know, past tense, I've already done it. Then the function of the mind is to take whatever the issue is and finish it, whatever right. it is. Right. The mind will take the program. So I say, well, what's the program you want? I am lovable, I am healthy, I am this, I am, you know, whatever, uh, uh, you know, the very positive uh, present tense statement of what you want to be true. Right. You put that in, and by repetition, it's like, yeah, I can say in the middle of the afternoon, I am happy, I am happy, looking around going, geez, I hate this place. And I go, yeah, but that's not what's relevant. It's how many times you said, I am happy. It's relevant. Right. And then uh, through habituation, one day you wake up, 
And the subconscious mind's got what? From repetition, habituation, it's got I am happy. What's the function of the mind? Take the program and manifest it. So one day, guess what? You wake up. You don't have to say I'm happy. You already woke up happy. <laughs> Why? You Unconsciously, this is now the program. All day long, your program will be manifesting I am happy. Your whole life can change. Boom, complete from dark to light. But you have to change the program. You know, that, that my, it reminds me of a scenario I did happening about seven years ago where I just made a decision that I'm at work all the time. And of course, there's lots of hassles and whatever. But I decided to just make a decision that I'm, gonna, I'm just going to use the word play no matter what. Enjoy my staff, enjoy my patients, enjoy the challenges. And within a year, it just absolutely changed my experience at work. We just had the best time at work. Fascinating time. But um, anyway, so go ahead. It's not a coincidence. It's not an accident. You have made a program and repeated that program. It became habitual. Right. And, and that's the cool part about habitual is that uh, me, you don't have to work on it anymore. Once it's a habit, let go. It'll do it by itself. You know, and that's right. the beautiful part about reprogramming. It's not a lifelong event. Nope. It's a period of time until it's downloaded. And once it's downloaded, you never have to work on it again because right. now that it's a habit just like walking it'll stay in there for the rest of your life right no excellent point then you had a, you had a third point about the whole um opening up to the universe i'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you there uh, the, the third way of changing yeah uh, it's called energy psychology okay uh, uh on my website bruce lipton.com very okay. simple uh, under resources are uh, belief change modifications or belief modifications or something like a category under resources. There's over 25 or 30 different uh, modalities that engage something called super learning. Okay. Uh, and with super learning, you can download new beliefs, not in a long repetitious period of time, but in minutes. It's, it's like magic. Uh, it's actually, I look at it this way, uh, old saying, uh, uh, what's it, about invention, nature, you know, uh, uh, um, nature, uh, when, when you need something, it'll be invented, okay? And, and we, as a world population, are in need of a change of behavior profoundly because human behavior is precipitating a sixth mass extinction, which will include us right. in, in the next few decades. So it's not right. like, oh, a thousand years. No, we're, it's going to turn upside down. Uh, right. And so the fact is this uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Yep. We have a necessity to change. And these energy psychology modalities are interesting. They engage super learning very quickly. What is super learning? Maybe you've seen somebody read a book uh, by moving their finger from the top of the page to the bottom of the page, just stroking down. As right. fast as they stroke down, they read that entire page. That's, that's right. called super learning. You can read a book in 15 minutes, right. <laughs> read the entire book. I go, if you can engage the super learning process while downloading a new behavior, then that means you can download a new behavior in relatively minutes okay. compared to a, a long, exhaustive way. Okay. And there are different, different ones, and uh, whatever one is appealing, as, you know, my life would not be what it is if I didn't use one of those belief change modalities. Uh, I couldn't have even written my book because my subconscious was uh, saying, if you write that book, you're going to lose your career. And I thought, well, that's where my subconscious was protecting me. But it's like, well, it's to write the book. <laughs> the subconscious working 95% of the time doesn't want to write it. I had yeah. to change the program. And the book came out almost immediately after changing the program. Wow. So this is a quick final review of those. Uh, we talked about um, reviewing this whole um, episode we just had here. We talked about quantum physics, 
<clears throat> and how really we are truly at the deepest level, all energy fields, even though it seems like we're quote solid structures, we really all just energy fields. So things that we do, it's not, I mean, it's mechanical, but it's not because we're dealing with energy fields, which affects the body chemistry. And so we have a choice about how to use those energy fields to make sure our lives happen. As we have a choice of how to think and act that optimizes our body's chemistry. So our belief system changes into biology. And then I think we say the same thing about getting your perspective back as opposed to fighting pain pathways and pain circuits every day of actually regaining your perspective and honestly just make a decision to be happy. And I made a news resolution this year and my wife gets to monitor me on this one of just be nice. You know, just try to be nice. Whatever, whatever scenario comes up, no matter how upset you get, just no matter what happens, just be nice, no matter what. So I'm working on that. One of my personal challenges. <laughs> um, and then you had the three, if you could summarize again for the, for the audience, the three ways of sort of changing your reality. Um, it, it is to put a new vision into the subconscious mind. And there's three ways to do that. Uh, number one is self-hypnosis. And we talked about putting he uh, headphones on at night with a program. Right. Uh, number two is uh, habituation, which is a process that says repetition. You have to do something and repeat it. Uh, just a little side note, this is not a sticky note. People think, well, I put all the sticky notes all over the mirror, and I go, that's not a habit. <laughs> that's a nice idea, but a habit is you have to do something in a repetitious fashion uh, until it habituates, okay? So right. that means you gotta, you got to do this. It's a participation. It's not going to happen. Right. And then lastly, um, uh, a use of what is called energy psychology is a way of engaging a super learning process, which facilitates the download of new programs in minutes. Okay. And this is and just on your website, brucelipton.com, under super learning. Is that correct? Uh, it's under resources. Oh, under resources. Under okay. So you yep. have different types of programs you can put in there. So anyway, well, I'm excited. You know, I could, we, as you know, we do talk for hours when we get together. We yes. A few hours right now, I realize that. But um, I really appreciate you taking the time on an incredibly busy schedule to uh, talk to the audience. And I agree this a huge, well, I mean, you quit your profession to do what you're doing to get this message out to the world. And I made the decision, you know, about a year and a half ago to make, the, to do the same thing. And uh, we just hope uh, people can listen and spread it on themselves. We would appreciate everybody's help in doing this because it's an important process to go through as far as changing the, changing the human experience consciousness. I think it's a big deal. But anyway, Bruce, I'm honored to uh, have you on my show and be your friend. And uh, I really appreciate all this. David, I'm honored to be with you because you're another fellow who has uh, recognized that rather than personal gain, uh, uh, contributing to the conscious evolution of this planet is perhaps the most important job on this planet at this moment as we're facing uh, a probable extinction because right. of our current behavior. So uh, any opportunity to uh, offer people a chance to empower themselves to me is another step towards saving the beautiful planet that we have. I agree. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. Thank you so very much. I'd like to thank our guest, Bruce Lipton, for engaging us in a fascinating discussion of how quantum physics underlies our consciousness and ultimately our health, and how we can use different learning modalities to change our consciousness. I'm your host, Tom Masters, inviting you to join us next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom and reminding you to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. 
Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.